0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The first baptismal rite or liturgy that Martin Luther ever recorded was published in 1523. And in it, he suggested a practice which I think we would find quite odd today. Imagine if moments ago when we were Conducting Elliot's baptism, I had begun the baptism by blowing three times under her eyes. Who knows? Tom or Abby might have well tried to pull her back (laughs) to save her from such an intrusion into her uh, personal space. It certainly would have seemed odd to us since it's a practice that as far as I know has not been practiced for hundreds of years in the Lutheran Church, but it used to be a rather common thing. But even in that original baptismal rite that Luther recorded in that book, he did make note that such a practice was something that humans had come up with in order to try to teach a certain truth about baptism, but that it should by no means be considered essential for baptism. Think about it kind of like the candle that we handed to the family today. Again, it serves a nice teaching point, that Elliot has now been connected to the light of the world, Jesus. And it can serve that wonderful practical purpose of being lit in years to come, in order that baptism might be remembered. But the candle's not necessary to baptism. If we couldn't find a candle, we certainly wouldn't cancel the baptism. But why was it then, at one point, that it was a fairly typical practice to blow underneath the eyes of the baptized three times? Well, it seemed to me that on Pentecost Sunday, it is the perfect day to answer such a question. For indeed, while this tradition related to baptism has fallen out of use, the reason that it used to be used, is still something today worthy of our thoughts. As we just heard on Pentecost Sunday, on that first Sunday in which the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, one of the ways that God indicated that the Holy Spirit was falling upon the church was that there was a mighty rushing wind. We're told it filled the entire house where the believers had gathered. And this indication of the Spirit's presence through wind is not something that is unusual in the Bible. In fact, it's not much of an exaggeration at all to say that in the Scriptures the Holy Spirit is often spoken of as like the wind. In fact, that's so true in the original language of the New Testament Greek. The word that's used for spirit is the exact same word that's used other places for wind. We saw this also in our Old Testament reading for today from the book of Ezekiel. There Ezekiel sees this valley full of dry bones. And then he's told that he should call upon the breath. That breath that will come from the four winds. That breath that is the Holy Spirit. And we heard how that breath came and then filled those dry bones again with life. And let us not forget that it was just a couple weeks ago in our text that we heard how Jesus, after his resurrection, came and saw his believers, those early apostles in the upper room. When he did, we are told that he breathed out his spirit upon them in order that they might go out and share the life-giving gospel with the entire world. So yes, throughout the Scriptures, this idea of breathing and wind and the Spirit, they all go together. And that is why, in the early church, someone decided that it would be appropriate and would teach people to blow on the eyes of the baptized. It would be a reminder to them that on the day of their baptism, the Spirit indeed was being received. It was being breathed out upon them. It was being blown as a wind upon them. And what has that meant to teach? Well, it's to remind us that life is always breathed out by the Spirit of God. It reminds us that no human truly lives apart from the Spirit of God. Yes, He is the breath of all are made alive, whether they're formed out of dust like in old times, or I should say the old time, when it was Adam who had the breath of God breathed into him, or whether it's like most of us surely experienced coming to life in the womb. In either case, the Spirit of God is the one who brings us life. And what's true of physical life is true of spiritual life. As well, in our catechism, we confess that we could not, by our own reason or strength, come to Jesus Christ or call him Lord. But that the only reason we do that is because the Spirit has called us to the Gospel. That he's inlined us with the gifts of God. We confess to the Scriptures in another place that none of us here could say Jesus Christ is Lord Except by the Spirit's strength and power. You see, that dust back in the Garden of Eden had no chance of living had not God breathed into it. Those bones in the valley that Ezekiel saw had no chance of living. They would remain very dry until God breathed into them. And yes, as we confess today, Eliot would have been lost forever. Had not God breathed out His Spirit upon her on this day with word and with water? And the same goes for all of us. You see, you would not be alive with faith without the Spirit breathing upon you. Oh, sometimes we like to talk about our faith as if it is something that we do that we should get credit for. But in the end, the Bible reminds us that our faith is ultimately... No more our doing than a cool breeze that hits our forehead when the wind blows on a summer day. The Spirit comes upon us and we believe. Yes indeed, we do not come to Christ because our mind out of its superior intellect reasons that it is wise to do so. We don't come to faith because all of a sudden we muster up the courage in our hearts do so. Instead, the Bible says it is a gift of God, given through the Spirit, that comes through the hearing of the Word. The Spirit is blown upon you, and you live. When we have a tiny baby at the font, it makes all of this pretty clear to us. For here it is evident that God is the one doing the work. He is the one breathing out the Spirit. He is the one giving life. No one could look forward today and think that Elliot is doing something of her own reason and strength to prove something to God. But instead, it's so evident that she is receiving from God His good gifts. Yes, what is clear here at the font today is also clear in our account from Pentecost Day as well. You see, Pentecost Day was not a day where people gathered at the temple in order that they might do something that God might then appreciate what they had done and save them. It's not like the people that gathered for Pentecost all went out and took some sort of lesson in order that they could understand what those Galileans who would speak were saying to them so that they could make a reasoned decision about the claims of Jesus' death and resurrection. Instead, that day the Spirit blew upon them through the words of the apostles, which they miraculously just heard in their own languages. And they came to believe. And having faith, we are told that they then were baptized. It is important for us to understand that faith and new life is the Spirit's work. For if we do not understand that, we will fall into mistakes. If we truly understand that it is the Spirit's work, it will stop us from somehow believing that we are saved because of us, and not because of the Spirit's work of bringing us God's good gifts and His gospel. And that can make sure that we understand that if we wish to continue to have this life that He gave to us through the Word and through the water well, then we should gather regularly in the church where that Spirit has promised to continue to do His work. And the other thing that this work of the Spirit can bring us comfort in is the work of telling others about our Lord Jesus. But you see, if we truly believe that it was up to us to reason someone into the faith or to get them so excited that their heart would reach out and grasp for God, we would probably never speak at all. But that's not our job. Our job is simply to speak the word about Christ, to tell of the good news of salvation in his name. And as we do that, the Spirit blows. And the Spirit blows, and he brings faith. Yes, indeed, we must remember that we must simply speak God's word trusting that the Spirit will do His work on others, just like He did on us. If you're having any trouble today believing that the faith of Elliot and the faith of you and me is truly just the Spirit's work, well then maybe it's you that should have someone come up and blow on your eyes three times, because perhaps it would remind you what the Word is doing right now today in this very place. It would remind you that the Spirit is here again today, breathing out His life upon you. He's blowing away the influence of the evil one who wants you to trust in yourself. Instead, He's causing you to trust in the one who died for you. So today, confess to the Lord your sins. Allow that breath of the Spirit that blows upon you to knock you to your knees in humility then you can confess that apart from the Spirit, you would be apart from Christ. That you could not call Him Lord or come to Him. That you would simply seek to live apart from Christ. And that that is no life at all. Indeed, confess that you would be like those bones in Ezekiel's dry valley. You would be dead and dry like them had not the Spirit breathed life Upon you, For know this, this day, as the Spirit comes to you, that initial gust of wind may well knock you down. But it is meant ultimately to lift you back up. For today the Spirit hits you again and you rise. Your physical life and your spiritual life are renewed by His strength because God loves you dearly. He brings to you again today the life that Jesus died and rose to give to you. God breathes, the wind blows, and the Spirit comes. And we are alive. Amen.